Hello and welcome back to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-beauty expert and long-term resident of Seoul, South Korea. On today's deep dive episode, I want to go through just some of the things that I'm seeing around the clean beauty trend and in particular to bust some myths. So I know we've sort of been touching on this over the course of this year and probably even last year just because of how much more focus I am seeing K-beauty brands uh, and even the government sort of put on clean beauty. So the, I guess, history of this episode of the show, I'll give you a little bit sort of more backstory. Thanks to the podcast, I have actually scored myself a regular gig on Korean radio. So I am the K-beauty expert on one of the local radio programs here. And sort of every second week, I go onto the show and talk the host through, you know, just some of the topical things that are happening in the industry. And this was one of the ones that we covered uh, a little while ago, just because of how prevalent it is particularly in Korea and particularly particularly on a lot of the really big uh, K-beauty apps, uh, the websites, the claims and things like that that you will see being bandied around. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people, uh, when they see this word for the first time, clean beauty, you know, I think people think that's a really good thing. Because if you think about the food we eat, Uh, If you saw similar things around, you know, food, you know, toxin free, free from nasties and things like that, then that's obviously really, really important. And I think that the clean beauty trend and the clean beauty movement actually borrows a whole heap of stuff from these kind of, you know, vegan, paleo ways of eating food where it's all about, you know, cutting out processed and packaged things and going back to nature and eating, you know, more clean, green fruits and vegetables. And I think that, you know, that can cause a whole lot of confusion for consumers because on the one hand, while all of that could be really, really great for your health and your diet when it comes to food, it just does not translate that easily over into skincare, cosmetics and beauty products. And for people that are not working in the industry, that aren't experts, that don't manufacture products, uh, you know, just for the lay person on the street that's trying to pick a beauty product off the shelf for them, that can be a really great source of confusion because naturally people want to do the best for themselves. They want to do the best for their body, for their skin. So, you know, this was the kind of thing that I was discussing on radio to obviously a largely Korean audience. Nearly everyone that listens and tunes into the show is Korean. So I just thought, you know what, I've not actually dedicated an entire episode even of this podcast to this topic. So that's kind of what I want to do today. Uh, so in when it comes to K-beauty, in particular. Now, clean beauty is obviously a huge trend in Western beauty, but when it comes to K-beauty in particular, there are a couple of claims that you will see that you might not realize are these kind of clean beauty claims. So obviously things like toxin-free, free free from nasties, uh, you know, sustainability friendly, they are all things that you will have seen before in whatever market that you live in. But when it comes to K-beauty, you'll often see things like green level ingredients only or green grade only, EWG green grade approved, those kind of claims. 
So I think, uh, you know, when it comes to then talking about, well, what does that all mean and what is the science behind it, that's kind of where all of this falls apart. And so I think it is really important to actually take a look at the science. Now, I'm not going to get deep, deep into it because I know a lot of people don't really, you know, it's just not that interesting maybe to hear about like super deep into the science behind it. But let's just unpick a couple of the really key problems as I see them with clean beauty in particular. The first one, and this might surprise you, is the actual definition of clean beauty. Now, you might assume that there is an agreed on definition or an exact definition for what actually is a clean beauty product, you know, which products fall into this category. And unfortunately, from the very first step, it kind of all falls apart. And that is because the term is not regulated. It's not regulated at a government level. It's not regulated and agreed on between the brands. And it's not even regulated and agreed on between the retailers. So what is classified clean at Sephora is not necessarily the same as what is classified clean at Whole Foods, say, in the US or Olive Young in Korea. So every retailer, every brand has their own definition of what clean is. Uh, and it seems to be that, you know, when you maybe go and have a look at some of the chatter around this on YouTube sites, maybe on TikTok, uh, even on Instagram, that people basically, what they're doing is they start with, uh, you know, taking a look at the ingredients in the skincare products. They take a look at the ingredients list and basically go off, find an app or a website, you know, whether it's Huahe, whether it's one of these ones, and they go through the so-called dirty ingredients list or the nasty ingredients, the red list, whatever you want to call it. And if the product has any of the pro any of those ingredients in them, then it's classified as dirty. And then if it doesn't, uh, it's clean. And, you know, there are actually some well-known YouTubers in Korea that basically refuse to even try, open or use a product simply based on their checking of the product's ingredients list. So they have a look at it and they're like, no, I'm not going to use this. Uh, and that's obviously because they think that they can tell how good a beauty product is just by looking at the ingredients list, how clean it is, how green it is, you know, whatever, I guess, yardstick that they are measuring against, they think that that can be done all on the basis of an ingredients list alone. So I think that's, you know, the first thing to point out is that there is no definition of it and it doesn't have a set uh, meaning. It changes depending on who you're talking to, who the brand is, who the retailer is. And you might think, okay, well, you know, if it doesn't have a legal definition, there must at least be a list of, you know, blacklisted ingredients or something like that, right? And again, the answer is no. And that is because terms like clean, green, non-toxic are not regulated by the government or the cosmetics industry. So that's the other thing when it comes to like the, a, a blacklisted list, you know, you might see some brands that say, you know, um, oh, these are our suspicious ingredients or what, you know, whatnot, our suspicious list of ingredients. What one brand says is their suspicious or harmful list is not the same as another so-called clean beauty brand. And that's the other thing that then can make it really, really confusing uh, because, you know, if, if the free from ingredients are the thing that makes it clean or not, that is not 
the same. It is not static in between uh, brands. So in Korea, a common source that is used by clean beauty brands and enthusiasts to vet products and ingredients is the EWG list. And you will have heard me speak about this before. EWG stands for the Environmental Working Group. And basically what they've got is a green, like a traffic light system. So it rates ingredients according to, you know, whether they are green grade, green level, which green is go in the traffic light system, it's good. Amber, the amber light, the orange one is for caution. And then red is, you know, stop, which in the ingredient sense for them is bad. So this is the list or the reference system that you will frequently see uh, K-beauty brands use. You will frequently see it on the Korean cosmetic ratings apps and even in some online stores around Korea. And this is the reason why a lot of the trending products in Korea will be quite skewed, particularly when you go onto some apps. If they have this system employed as a way of, you know, ranking and checking things, that trickles over into the types of products that people then go out and buy and the types of products that people then, you know, upload their ratings for onto the app. So if you go and have a look at, you know, some of these ones, you will see it's the same kinds of products that keep going straight to the top of the list. Uh, And a lot of times when people try them, they're like, like, this isn't anything special. This isn't that great. Like, why is this so popular in Korea? And unfortunately, increasingly, the reason is that it is on the top of these app systems because it has a green grade level ingredients list. And I guess the issue with this green grade rating list, the EWG green grade rating list in a nutshell, is that it is, for one, the EWG has nothing to do with any of the government agencies. None of the government agencies in Korea use this list or refer to this agency to, you know, come up with their own uh, policies, regulations or anything like that. The other thing is that it is the list that they have is just very uh it, it, it only tells you a small, tiny snapshot of the real story about any particular ingredient. And the best one that I can give you off the top of my head is retinol. Retinol, most experts will tell you, is the gold standard in anti-aging in skincare. Uh, obviously, it has a lot of downsides because it is quite potent uh, and it has a lot of side effects that some people do not like. However, there are literally as many retinol formulations out there as there are, you know, different skin types and people. And the EWG's rating list, the green grade rating list, puts that as a red ingredient. So if you are only formulating to the green grade standard in Korea, you will never see the product containing retinol. And it's obviously just not as simple as never using the ingredient. There are so many things that can play into whether an ingredient, you know, is damaging, harms the skin, causes dryness, breakouts, irritation, all of those kinds of things. Uh, So that is, I guess, the starting point with my issue with these lists in particular. The other thing is this. 
The EWG is measuring toxicity to the environment. So it does not use data or research that has been extrapolated to measure the risk or harm of a particular ingredient to human health when it's used in small doses in a cosmetic product. Another problem with the EWG is the funding that it is receiving and who it's receiving funding from. Uh, and a lot of the times you will see that, you know, it gets funding from organic and natural beauty companies. So it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I think the bigger problem, and this was recently pointed out uh, by another really famous Korean YouTuber, An Onni, is that the EWG itself serves no actual purpose. Uh, and that is because, you know, in Korea, the MSDS, the Korean agencies that are responsible for cosmetics and things like that, they already regulate ingredients that they consider to be dangerous and that they consider to be inappropriate for use in cosmetic products. There are consumer protection bodies in Korea and across the world that step in and create regulations about ingredients that are considered genuinely harmful to human health. So even if the EWG does literally nothing and just sits there, it will serve no purpose because these kind of things are already being regulated against. And in fact, this year we've already discussed that, uh, you know, Korea has banned a lot of things this year already, including a list of eight compounds that are commonly used in brown hair dyes. They took a look at the data, they took a look at the research, they took a look at what was being done in the EU, and they said, okay, it is time for us to regulate against this, and products were taken off the market because of it, and products are being reformulated because of that. So that's the other problem with these kind of lists, is that if they're not actually using the data that is available studied on humans, then what purpose do they really serve? Uh, you know, toxicity to the environment is one thing, but toxicity to humans in a formula that contains microscopic doses of certain ingredients, it's just not the same thing. And I think that comes down to then the problem that I see with clean beauty. And that is that a lot of the time the concept has no basis in reality. And instead, it's based on things, actions, thoughts, feelings that make people think that they're doing the right thing or something positive from, for themselves, their skin or the environment. And I think the other thing that's then built into that is that for a lot of clean beauty companies and brands, there is a huge dose of guilt tripping and fear mongering that is built into their marketing. They're preying on people's insecurities and trying to make them feel bad for, you know, using the products that they're using and not caring more about the environment or not caring enough about being healthy. But at its base, using any of these products doesn't necessarily make us more healthy. It doesn't necessarily help the environment. Uh, and it's also full of a lot of myths about what is harmful both for you personally and for the environment. So that's, you know, a pretty big problem if you're talking about the way these products are then marketed to people. Uh, and a big myth that feeds into all of this is the idea that natural products must be safer to use than those that contain synthetic chemicals. Uh, and this 
is, you know, maybe this is true when it comes to food. Maybe it is true that natural food is safer than synthetic food, but it is not the same when it comes to cosmetics. And the reason is this. First, we have been using synthetic ingredients in our cosmetic products for far longer than we've been using naturals. And what that means is that there is a lot more research data and evidence to back up both their safety and their efficacy. So they're safe to use, but they also work. The other thing is that when it comes to synthetic ingredients, a lot of the time they are absolutely essential in order to ensure that we have stable products on the shelves, products that have a long shelf life and that make sure that the the product is not volatile, Uh, particularly, you know, when it's going things through things like transport, being subjected to different temperatures, especially in the case of something like Korean beauty products. A lot of the times, uh, you know, if the products are not just being sold in Korea, they're being transported overseas, maybe by air, maybe by ship, but they are going to be subject to a lot of different fluctuations on their journey. And if you don't have preservatives, a proper preservative system in that product, it can actually be far more dangerous to you to use that than a product that has a very safe, efficient and well-known preservative system that has been studied for decades. So that's the other thing that I will say. Uh, When it comes to natural chemicals, I think they're not held up to the same level of scrutiny. And that is the case, even though a lot of natural ingredients aren't necessarily good for you. So I think when it comes to cosmetic ingredients, you just can't make a blanket rule about whether an ingredient is good or bad unless and until you consider how it is used. And this is kind of where the science comes into it a little bit. So you may have heard the saying before that the dose makes the poison. Uh, So when it comes to any kind of poison, if you've ever watched a movie and like someone is trying to kill someone by poisoning them, you know, if you get it wrong, it doesn't do enough, uh, you know, and it doesn't actually kill them. And then, you know, sometimes maybe you put too much in and and you end up killing people that you didn't intend to kill. I'm sure everyone has seen like a cartoon or a movie or something like that. And you know th- that might be a kind of extreme example, but it's also true. The dose does make the poison. And when it comes to things like cosmetic ingredients, obviously we're not necessarily talking about po- poisons, but the two key factors still play into this. So you need to understand the difference between a hazard and then a risk. So a hazard is a potential potential source of harm, something that could maybe be harmful or hazardous, but may not necessarily be. And then a risk is how likely it is that that harm will happen in any given situation. So obviously, if you have, I don't know, a boulder on the road, that's a potential source of harm. How likely is it that people are going to run into it, have a car accident or something like that? Well, that depends, right? It's a risk, but how likely is it depends where the boulder is, how big it is, how many people are going through there. And it's the same kind of thing when it comes to then 
our ingredients lists. Another really helpful example I can give you is something as mundane as coffee. So most people, most experts will agree that having a cup or two of coffee a day is not going to hurt you and it may even be beneficial for your health. But if you drink 10 cups, 15 cups, 20 cups, then you probably are going to run into various kinds of problems. Number one being that you're not able to sleep. And I think that when it comes to cosmetic ingredients that tend to end up on these so-called dirty lists, a lot of them are just not using the right amount of data or the correct settings to be able to make that kind of determination, uh, particularly when it comes to, uh, you know, cosmetic ingredients that have been studied in a test setting. One of the big problems you will see is that a lot of the time they've been studied on animals like rats, but not on humans. And obviously, if you are extrapolating data from a test setting on a rat to a human, it's just not going to be that accurate. Humans are not rats. We have some pretty big differences with rats. Uh, So I think that's another big, big problem with a lot of the ingredients that you will see mentioned on the blacklists. Uh, the the do not touch list, the suspicious list, that's one problem. Uh, And I think just to sort of round this off is, you know, when it comes to clean beauty products, and this is the big thing that I see with a lot of the Korean ones, I think the sad part is that a lot of these companies are trying to sell the products to people with sensitive skin. And, you know, when you're doing that, I think it is not fair to try and take advantage of people's, you know, uh, sensitivities when it comes to their skin, of their fears and their worries on the basis of, you know, ingredients that just, you know, you do not have the data to back up that your product is better just because you're manufacturing, say, to the EWG green grade standard. You know, I, I think a lot of clean beauty companies also do end up charging a lot more for their products. And that's because people think that there is, you know, a perceived benefit in going clean, going green. Uh, You know, a lot of them also have uh, marketing around uh, being better for the environment and people think that that's something worth paying for. Uh, And, you know, it's one thing if the company is actually really, really dedicated to that, but then it's another altogether if it's just, you know, a platitude, if it's just something you're saying for the sake of saying it. So that was sort of the discussion that we were having on Korean radio around a lot of this stuff. Uh, And, you know, it's just not a thing that a lot of consumers are alive to. People, when they hear about clean beauty, they think, of course, I want my products to be clean. Of course, I want them to be natural. You know, that's got to be better. And I want to do what's best for my skin. But I just wanted to sort of raise a couple of these issues to just get you thinking a little bit more critically about the kinds of claims that are being made around the kind of rating systems that these are all based on, Uh, because I see this as a little bit of a vicious cycle. And that is that if these are all the products that keep making it to the top of the bestsellers list, Uh, on, you know, apps and sites and things like that. And the reason they're doing that is because they are manufacturing to a standard that is not really having any basis in 
the science in the data, then I think that's a problem. And I think it also means long term that we are going to be robbing ourselves of, you know, the benefit of a lot of ingredients that when they're properly formulated in a a good cosmetic formula with a stable set of preservatives uh, at the right doses could be really beneficial for a lot of people. So I think it's not necessarily advancing the cause of K-beauty for everyone to be going clean and green. Now, when it comes to things like sustainability, that is a totally different uh, you know, set of arguments. But the other thing I will say, and we could do a whole episode just on this, but when it comes to natural uh, chemicals, natural ingredients in our skincare products, It's also not just as simple as saying that natural is better because we then need to go away and have a look at how these are farmed. You know, it's the same kind of thing you'll hear a lot of people say in the food world is that, you know, we need to be swapping over to, um, you know, uh, non-animal types of milks. But then when you look at how some of those alternative milks are actually farmed, it's far worse for the environment because they're using so much more water. So, you know, you kind of need to look at the entire life cycle of the process. It's not just as simple as saying natural is better. So I don't say this to scare anyone. You know, if you have some clean beauty products in your routine that you really enjoy, I think that's great. And I'm not trying to dissuade you from using them or anything like that. I just think when it comes to a lot of the fear mongering, the guilt tripping, the throwing products out on the basis of the ingredients list alone, you cannot tell how good a product is just from looking at the ingredients list. Nobody can do that. Uh, I would be skeptical of anyone that's trying to tell you that. And I think, you know, the nitpicking I see a lot of the time with the ingredients list, it just really builds into this whole uh, culture of fear. And I don't think that that is the best thing for us as consumers and I don't think it's the best thing for the industry either I think it like really is going to lead us down the path where we're just focusing a lot on the wrong types of things so just wanted to have this conversation with you guys today just to sort of share some of the the problems the things that I'm seeing in the industry and the way it's all sort of trending uh so yeah that's that that's kind of what I had for you guys today I would love to hear your thoughts on it I would love to hear you know if you have looked into this a lot or is this something that you were just hearing about for the first time uh you know do you buy only clean or do you purposely you know buy other products you know I think just to round it off the one thing I will say particularly the case with the retailers that have a clean beauty section I think the biggest uh contradiction is if you've if you've pulled out certain products in your lineup and you're saying these are the clean ones does that by default mean that everything else on the shelves is dirty like why are you selling it it doesn't even make sense from their perspective logically Uh, so I think just a little bit more of a critical rational analysis of some of these claims is probably warranted Uh, so yeah look I'm not gonna harp on I don't want to make this sound too much like a lecture or a TED talk or anything like that but clearly this is an area of the industry that I'm just a little bit perplexed about Uh, so I will leave it there today Uh, 
and I hope you enjoyed. If you did, I would love for you to share this with someone that you think would enjoy it. Uh, maybe upload a photo, a story or something like that of you listening to it. That would be great. Don't forget to tag me. I'm at lauren.kbeauty. And until next time, I will see you on Star Story. Star Story.